Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. And today we are talking with another Rad Mom. Her name is Barb and she lives in Canada. So we might also be talking a few things Canadian because Rad Life across the border is a little different. Barb and her husband decided to adopt internationally after a miscarriage and struggles with infertility. Uh, They were paper pregnant in January of 2008, and they set out to adopt a child from Ethiopia after learning from friends that African adopted children seldom experienced attachment issues due to the close-knit community-based family practices. This did not turn out to be true. Within months of their daughter's arrival, they realized she was demonstrating many of the signs of reactive attachment disorder, and so their journey began. Welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you very much, Tracy. Happy to be here. It's great to have a Canadian on the show. You're from yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, am I your first Canadian? Uh, you're not, believe it or not, but you are my first Canadian rad mom or rad Excellent. parent. Well, <laughs> kind of good, kind of bad, but yay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yay me. Yay you. Yay <laughs> you. So we always start with the story. What's your story? You know, you're, you're an adoptive rad parent. Mm -hmm. You adopted from Ethiopia. So it's an international adoption That's and, and Canadian. So, so how did this all start for you? You know, instead of, instead of starting at the beginning, can I start at the end? I know that sounds like a really weird place to start. I think that's great. It's important to say, like, here's where we actually are, because our score, our story follows a traditional path. And yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that. But, you know, when I look at where we are right now, our daughter's 14 and we can't leave her at home to go get groceries or have a date night. She's 14. Right. We can't leave her at home. We can't close a bathroom door if we're the only adult home with her. We have cameras in our house. We have chimes on our doors. That level of trust that we each assume that we'll build with our kids, it's not there. And and so she's isolated. She hasn't been able to build the friendships. She's, She's what I call a people user. She wants something from people and she knows how to get it. Like She is a mastermind at getting this stuff from people that she wants. So I always like to say that, you know, she's only 14, Mm -hmm. but she's been a teenager for 12 years. For her, we, as her parents, we're just an obstacle that's in the way of getting what she wants. So you think about those typical teenager behaviors where they, you know, they want to ignore their parents and never want to spend any time with their parents. She's been that way always, the whole entire time. That's a really good way to put it. And it's crazy, isn't it? Because that's exactly it is 14 is the number 
Mm-hmm. But like chronologically 14, but emotionally, mentally, all of that. And it's really hard to have, a, you know, I'm putting my fingers in quotes, mm-hmm. a 14 year old or a 17 year old in my case yes. that, yeah, when you look at other typical families, they can, those kids are off on their own. They're, you know, going on the bus with friends or uh, yeah. driving somewhere. They've got that, that independence, that level of independence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we can't do that. No, you can't. And I, I actually, when I think about my two kids, so my son is 12, my daughter is 14 and emotionally they're easily reversed. Mm-hmm. He, and, and she may quite likely be way further back. Like if I right. think about the emotional maturity, the trust level, like I would still say seven or mm-hmm. eight. So half her current age And, you know, that's a really tough situation because from the outside world looking in, they're like, oh, well, you know, come on out. We're going out Friday night. And it's like, oh, the, the, the outcome, if we go out for a night with friends, yeah, we will spend the next three days paying for it, paying for it. And I won't say that we've never gone anywhere. Yeah. I can almost count on one hand the number of times that we've left our daughter with someone. No one has been able to, you know, hold the fort down Mm -hmm. when we're gone for, you know, one hour, two Mm -hmm. hours and overnight. No one has been able to. Yeah. She's been able to get whatever the heck she wants from the babysitter, the friends we leave her with, the family we leave her with, right? And it's like, what are you doing giving, you know, a 10-year-old, you know, free reign in the pantry or staying up till midnight? Like, what in the heck were you thinking? It's really hard for people to understand. Yeah. And they know that. Mm -hmm. And just shine the spotlight on you because I hear that. And, you know, the caring coach in me is thinking, right, my heart sinks because I think, how does that make you feel? What does that do for you as an adult, a parent? Because here's what are two things and me being a rad parent, I know it too. And that's why I'm pointing (laughs) it out is one, I'm hearing you say, hey, I get no time. We can't even go out with friends and socialize and have our real adult life and take care of ourselves. That's a way for us to escape this hard life and just mm-hmm. life in general with or without rad kids at home. Yeah. Also other people looking in, that was such a great way to explain it, Barb. And mm-hmm. because it's weird, <laughs> right? And so why can't you yeah. go? Your kid's 14. So those mm-hmm. two things, what does that do to you as a parent? You know, we've definitely lost family, friends. Um, people can't understand it because when she is out with us, she is a model child. She can sit and talk with an adult with a level of maturity that dumbfounds the best of them. Mm-hmm. When she comes home, she's exhausted. She's disassociated. She's discombobulated, right? But in public, wow, this kid can put on a show. Oscar performance. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so then when we try and talk about, you know, what we experienced, they just look at us like we have lost our minds. Right. How is that possible that this child who was so pleasant, you know, when you were at our house is 
cheating, stealing, lying. Like that's not possible. You're making this up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I, when I reference, you know, losing family and friends, like I'm talking, people don't want to be around us mm-hmm. because we're exhausted. We're yeah. grouchy. We're yeah. stressed just being out of the house because it's like, Oh my God, what are we going back to? Mm-hmm. People can't wrap their heads around the, the kind of parenting that we've had to do. Yeah. And because we have two kids, we have this one kiddo that, you know, we parent in a pretty typical way. He does something not supposed to, he gets a consequence. He right. serves his consequence. He's done. He's on yeah. with it. Yeah. In our daughter's case, because control is so important to her and that's how attachment has manifested for her. Mm. It's about control. Yes. And because of that, you know, she won't accept the consequence. So she won't do her time, do yeah. the consequence. And so it sits on the, the books and it's right. like, well, no, if you want to go with friends, if you want to watch a movie, if you want to, you know, even go read your book, yeah. well, you got to have this tour done. You can't make the difference. You can't make that progress through something. Exactly. Yeah, and so, so frustrating. It, it'll hang there. We'll spend days waiting yeah. for her to sweep. I like know. Days. Yes. Right. It's control. And do you find it's motivation to lack of motivation? There's, there's definitely that in there, Mm -hmm. but, but she wants the stuff. Yeah. But control remains more important. And, and I think it's really important for people to understand that it's not control in a, a negative way. It's control. The kid got hurt in a way that most of us can't fathom. Yeah. So do we understand where it comes from? Absolutely. Right. You can rationalize it a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. And I, you know, I actually remember this. So, um, when our son was a year old, the two of them used to share a bedroom. So he was in her crib, sorry, he was in his crib. She was in her crib <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'd nurse him throughout the night. And I remember very vividly sitting in his room, sitting in their room, uh, he was about a year old and that's when she was surrendered by her birth. Mom was at 12 months. Okay. And I remember sitting in the rocking chair, he's nursing and the thought, just the thought Tracy of having to give him to someone, mm. the thought of not being able to parent him. Like yeah. I was crying. I'm, you know, tearing up, just thinking about it oh, now. Yeah. It was just heart wrenching to the core, not being able to parent this child. And yet, Mm. you know, that is exactly what her birth mother went through. Mm -hmm. And I can rationalize it from an, an adult, um, cognitive perspective, but a 12 month old can't not at all. Right. And so, yeah, you get the very foundation where this comes from. Yeah. What's harder to get is how that plays out in everyday life. Yeah. How it plays out and then how, how to help that Mm -hmm. child. Right. And always seeking and searching and trying. And yeah, it's just a bunch, a bunch of stuff wrapped up in. It is a big mess. It is. (laughs) And you know, it's funny because, um, you know, when I, when I talk about you know, she'll disassociate or she's discombobulated, which means being confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to people about that and they can't like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I said, you know, there's been times when she can't spell her own name mm-hmm. and people are just like, what? She's 14. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, 
that's how confused she becomes. Right. Now, I often say that we're we're somewhat fortunate. She's not violent. She's she's that sneaky attachment mm-hmm. stuff, right? And so she sneaks into the bedrooms upstairs and she's taken everything that's not nailed down up there. Um, so, you know, from our son's perspective, and that's where my heart really breaks what this kid has already seen and heard in his short little 12 year life. Yeah. Many people will never see. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so his stuff gets stolen, gets damaged, right? private, personal stuff gets told at school. Right. Right. And so there's this from somebody that you're supposed to it's family. It's yes. that and trust, right? Sibling that you yes. should trust and look up yes. to. And he did for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He looked up to her and then the switch flicked and he was just like, I'm done. How old was he when that flip switched? I'm just curious. You know what? That's a good question. And, and I don't know, maybe it, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I honestly okay. don't, um, but it flipped and it he did. was able yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. He, he lost trust. He lost faith. Uh, he, he couldn't respect her anymore. And I mean, that's a big thing in a family being able to respect one another and appreciate each other's sense of privacy. And he doesn't, we talk to him about it all the time. And, you know, yes, we understand you maybe don't like her, but you still got to be respectful, but Mm -hmm. he can't. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's how this is playing out for him. He's good with his friends. He's I'll say average with other adults, right? Like he's still, he's a 12 year old, but that doesn't excuse that, you know, he does some pretty crappy stuff to her and we know where that comes from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So rad life, right. You, you, it, it affects so much more than just the individual, right. Mm -hmm. It affects everybody in the family and friends and extended family members and, mm-hmm. and work and life. Yes. Right. You know, I used to have a boss who had allowed me to work 75% time plus his heart. He was a wonderful man, but his second in command felt that that meant, you know, you had to be in the door at nine 30 on the nose and not leave till three 30 on the nose. And so, you know, you got two young kids and you're dropping them off for school or daycare or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes in the winter in Canada, that meant (laughs) being there for nine 30, I'd be there for nine 35 or maybe it really got delayed that morning. It'd be nine 40. Well, the second in command would be literally Tracy standing at my office door ready to just rip a strip off me. Wow. And I was in a senior position. This wasn't like, you know, entry level position. This Mm -hmm. was a senior position in the business. And, you know, it actually got to the point they knew about our challenges with our daughter Mm -hmm. and yeah, he just, he would, he was a tyrant. Didn't matter that I was usually there 15 minutes late at the end of the day, because I didn't actually have to be at pickup until four o'clock. So I could leave at, you know, quarter two, four, but it was more important to him from a visual perspective. And I just thought, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So when I left, I mean, I couldn't have been happier to leave and, you know, move into a different company at a different senior position. (laughs) Right. And I just thought, wow, but it shows you how hard it is Mm -hmm. for 
even employers to understand when you've got a kid with any kind of special or unique need, Mm -hmm. that's yet another stressor on parents. It really is. You know, none of us know what goes on behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. but the stress, so you've got family who thinks you're crazy, friends who don't want to talk to you or spend any time with you, Mm -hmm. an employer who, oh my gosh, you're seven minutes late today. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. It's, it becomes inhumane after a while. Yeah. And it's that, that chronic stress. Yeah. It's slow. Uh, and, but it eats at you 24 seven, because on top of that is a parent, a rad parent like you or me analyzing everything, right? We're trying to manage in our brain, every single situation, whether it's a behavior, whether it's what's the next step, what does our child need? How do I handle work tomorrow? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get there in the morning. And what if I'm late? It's just this snowball effect. Yes, right? exactly. And yeah. then on top of it, you can't go out with friends. Yeah. Which right? is where like you, you can't even let go and, and, yeah. team and yep. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then add COVID on top of that. But we won't go there. <laughs> right. But you know what? You just yeah. you just said something really interesting because you know, what does my child need? Mm-hmm. And so for our child, she needed structure, she needed routine. Um, we used to follow the exact same routine on a Saturday and Sunday as we would Monday to Friday, because otherwise by Monday we were totally right. out of sorts. Like yeah. it was just a gong show. Right. So we would have to follow the exact same, you know, hygiene routine, make your bed, like all of that stuff. But The one thing that really triggers for me is there's, what does she need? Uh, and of course there's what do, what do we need? But then there's the, I need to stay one step ahead. Absolutely. And our daughter is, is a really smart kid. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if we could just get her to use those brains for good stuff instead of the wrong stuff, we'd be a lot further ahead, but there's that constant, you know, she would constantly be trying to figure out the way around a system. Mm -hmm. And so we're, here's the next step. Here's the next step. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, something as simple as bedtime, like bedtime is, is never great with little kids, right? They always want another drink of water and they need to hop back out of their bed. Let me tell you one more story, mom. Exactly. (laughs) In our case, you know, it's not uncommon that two hours after bedtime, she's still up. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, when you're exhausted and stressed, you count on that there in bedtime mm-hmm. to just <sighs> yeah. decompress. Yeah. You might not even talk to the other person in the yeah. room, but you just have this, yeah. this game free time. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you really truly decompressed? Or mm. was it just no, right? So we're at such a high level, like literally on the ceiling, right? You can't even peel us off really. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you do get that time, you do definitely come down a little bit, but I think it's still just a lower level. I know it is a lower level of stress. It never, you never really get to the, ah, right. I'm ready for a new day and refreshed and yeah. It's right. You're still vibrating to some level. It's that, it's that secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you talk to, some people are able to recognize that when you live in a war zone like this, where there's constant arguing, fighting, stressing, lying, stealing, right? Like it's a war zone. And so it becomes secondary trauma. You can't, you you get triggered so easily Mm -hmm. because you don't get a chance to decompress. If you were truly 
decompressed, reset the next morning, you're not going to be triggered instantly. Yeah. But but you don't get that reset, especially when you don't get your, you know, evening time or you can't yeah. go out with friends and blow off steam and well, and it you got know, to the point for me where I would actually hide. I couldn't even wait for the bedtime time. <laughs> I was yeah. like, come in the door and I would need to go up to my room and just hide yeah. to yeah. force that because you, you know, you hit rock bottom. And I think you just start, that's a survival coping mechanism, right? Is I can't even mm-hmm. wait for bedtime yeah, because I'm so stressed and yeah. And, you know, I think it was Forrest Lean or Dr. Alston was describing it. I've got my hand kind of standing straight up and then you start to slowly come down, but before you hit the flat spot, boom, you're triggered again. And then you start relaxing, boom, boom. And that's how the PTSD happens is that you Mm. never, ever get that chance. That's right. You really get to that uh, place, right? But yes, you do. You do take that alone time, right? And you do whatever you can to get what you can, Mm -hmm. whatever we rad parents call rest, right? Or exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how hard it is to raise a child or children with reactive attachment disorder. And you know, it takes a village. I want to tell you about two fundraisers happening that you can participate in and help make a difference in the world of reactive attachment disorder and help other families just like yours. The first fundraiser is called I Move for Change, and it's happening at radadvocates.org through the months of September through November. It's really easy. Head to their website, radadvocates.org, register, start moving, and you will be raising money for this fantastic organization who is supporting families and professionals and communities working with children who have reactive attachment disorder. The second fundraiser is a project that I'm doing at Rad Talk with Tracy. Head over to radtalkwithtracy.com slash radswag. I've partnered with Inspired Wire, who is creating a very simple, classic, personalized, hand-stamped bracelet that you can purchase online that is for you to wear to remember that you are strong and you are part of a bigger community. 75% of all proceeds, so 75% of each purchase, each bracelet goes directly to help rad advocates. You can help be part of the change. You can help make a difference. Head over to radadvocates.org, sign up for the I Move for Change fundraiser that's happening September through November, or head over to radtalkwithtracy.com slash radswag and purchase a bracelet for yourself or your entire family. So it's interesting because that brings me then to the Canadian aspect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had conversations with a number of different, so in Canada, social services, um, uh, counselors, therapists, like we've, we've worked with a number of different folks over the years and they all start off very well-intentioned, you know, we're going to help you. We can get to the bottom of this, but attachment isn't something that you can fix with a pill. Nope. Attachment isn't something that you can fix just by, you know, you need more love, right? right? Those aren't fixes. And so talking about it doesn't help either. Yeah, exactly. In working with some of these different folks, I had one counselor tell me that she just decided that she wasn't going to yell at her son anymore. And that fixed everything. Mm. 
And I remember <laughs> distinctly sitting in her office, looking at her like she had just sprouted a third head. Cause I was like, are you kidding lady? Right. Like serious? You think because, uh, you know, we yell as parents yeah. that that's the root of the cause. Mm. Like, are you serious? We had, uh, another counselor who talked with our daughter and our daughter, you know, was honest. I was in the room at the same time. Um, and so our daughter was honest and said, you know, yeah, I probably lie 80% of the time. And he looked at me and he was like, well, that's not possible. I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, Come stay at my house. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's, and it's not just to us, right? It's right. 80% of the time. She's lying to herself, mm. lying to friends. She's lying to teachers. Yeah. This kid has conjured this entire false reality that mm-hmm. she calls life because she doesn't want people to know what's yep. really under there. Yeah. And so in his case, he, he couldn't believe that it could be happening that often. And within, you know, a couple of sessions of that, he then came to me and said, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I said, she's lying through her teeth. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what part of her 80% lie did you miss? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they can't believe it. Just, yeah. And it's, and it's because in Canada, we're just not ready to accept that diagnosis. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? We've had teachers who they got it. Like they saw it early enough on that they were doing everything in their power to support us and her so she could succeed. And the last teacher that really I'll say, got it was grade four. Yeah. was grade four. And she had her job threatened. She was told by her principal administration and social services that she had no business talking to us about uh, our daughter's rad diagnosis. Like they literally told her, this is not your place. You are not allowed to talk to these parents about it. And we were like, are you kidding me? But that's what she was told. And so, you know, those are the barriers that we're trying to overcome because there's this presumption that if your child has an attachment disorder, they're going to end up, you know, rotting in a jail cell Mm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a second. Like if we know that that's a possible outcome and absolutely attachment disorders are very strongly connected to risky behaviors, yeah. drugs, alcohol, teen pregnancy, jail. Absolutely. Yeah. They're tied. To well, those. on the extreme is they become sociopathic. That's right. That's exactly. Extreme. Yeah. But so, that's the trajectory. You're right. That's right. So why don't we mm-hmm. accept it yeah. and intervene before we get there? I know. And I wish right? I had an answer because I mm-hmm. work in healthcare and I, I, I've said this before, So if you've heard this, just ignore me, but I equate it to dimension. I think it's because it's big and it's scary and nobody has the tools to deal with it. So, you know, dementia is changing now, but back in the day and still today, it's like, we don't really know what to do. So let's put you in a locked unit, keep Mm -hmm. you safe, you know, make it nice, but it's definitely, and then we'll just take care of you. We won't meet your needs. We won't try to make changes and make things better. We'll just kind of isolate you there and keep you there. Cause we don't know. And I used yep. to always say dementia is not a four letter word, but they were treating it like it was. And I think that that's where we're at with rad. Yes. The United States isn't much more ahead of Canada, 
but they are, you know, the diagnosis is somewhat known. Yes. A lot of times not. And there are professionals out there that are aware of it and know how to work with it. Still very minimal, but we're a little bit ahead and that's a mm-hmm. tough place for you to be when there's not even acknowledgement because you can't make anything better unless mm-hmm. you acknowledge it. Yes. It's real and it exists. Exactly. And like you say, with this trajectory of, you know, one of the worst outcomes, mm-hmm. not only for you and your child and the family, but for society, yeah. uh, why aren't we, who, who, why aren't we being brave enough and facing mm-hmm. that? And let's tackle this. Let's the elephant in the room. Let's yeah. deal with it. One of the things I know as a parent, we shade all of that. We, we keep it out of the public eye <laughs> Definitely, it's uncomfortable, yes. right? You, you don't want people to understand the level of routine and structure and yeah. protective mechanisms that you put in place because like, it's just not right in most yeah. people's minds. And well, yet, it seems weird. And it oh, seems absolutely, it's, you know, when you talk crazy. about, we have cameras in our house and we have chimes on the doors that, yep. you know, somebody walking into your house that doesn't understand what would that look like? I mean, come mm-hmm. on, right. Weird. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It looks, it looks What's like going on here Ooh, over right? the top helicopter yeah. parents. And yeah. it's exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's not about catching someone, but no. it's about safety for yeah. everyone. Right. And yeah, it's, it's hard, plain and simple. It's hard. Parenting's hard, but it's hard because then we stand out. I just want to go back to what you were saying about how we hide, Mm -hmm. hide or shade things far, because that is very true. And I don't think all we do it even on purpose. It's Mm -hmm. because what we were talking about earlier, we're tired, we're exhausted. There is so much going on. And then how do you explain rad in a nutshell, what's the nutshell version, right? Mm -hmm. You can't. And it's, so it's more exhausting. I mean, there, I think that there's no short, quick way to do it. So you just take the hits and you just Mm -hmm. move through it because you're already dealing with so much behind the scenes that nobody sees. It's kind of to me like that iceberg picture, you know, you only see the top of it, but everything underneath it's huge below the water. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that people don't see. And that's the stuff that you know, how are we going to explain that in a quick in a little rational second. manner? Yeah. Yep. We yeah. sound like we're just, it sounds like we're crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? Because people only see the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So we do, you sound like you've absolutely lost your marbles. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've had people say like, are you sure it's not you guys? Cause mm-hmm. we matter. Right. Or, you know, are you sure? Because we really struggled with caregivers. We went through caregivers and nannies and just eventually gave up on childcare. And I worked part-time instead. Um, but I had a boss say to me, like, are you sure it's not you guys? (laughs) I was like, Oh, don't you worry. I am sure (laughs) there is no doubt in my mind. I know where this comes from. Oh my gosh. And it's, so it's tough to paint that picture for Mm -hmm. people. We are like, no, I promise I have not lost my marbles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you give up so much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness. The, you know, I, I, I listen to friends and I try not to be jealous, but mm-hmm. you know, especially prior to COVID they'd go on trips or they'd go away for weekends. And I'm just yeah. like, it's, it's not even a possibility. No. 
It's not even a possibility, right? No. So it's the simple things that you kind of go, oh, like how... Hey everybody, it's Tracy from Rad Talk with Tracy and I just wanted to pop in and let you know about some services that we have at Rad Talk for you, the Rad Parent. So at Rad Talk, we advocate for better mental health and by that I mean your mental health, Rad Parents, you Rad Moms, you Rad Dads, you Rad Couples. We're here to help you heal. That is our number one goal. So I want you to head to radtalkwithtracy.com slash support and check out our support services. We have online support groups for rad moms and rad couples. We have group retreats and we have group retreats for rad moms and rad couples. And we have a really, really special solo retreat in northern New Mexico where you can come and hide away in a tiny house in the mountains. What I do want to tell you is that we do not heal alone we don't. Come check out our support groups, our coaching, our retreats. It's all trauma-informed. Find your people. Come to a place where you can express your feelings and not be judged. Come to a place where you can be real and where you're not alone. These are your people and we're all here together. And I'm going to remind you, just like I said before, we don't heal alone. It really takes courage to bring your trauma into the light and your struggles, but I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to do that. Trauma thrives in isolation. We don't heal in isolation. We heal in safety and connection and in relationship with others. That's how we heal. So check out radtalkwithtracy.com support and sign up for a support group, sign up for a retreat, or sign up for coaching today. How are we going to make it through? And, you know, I'll be honest. There's definitely times where I will take ownership of this. I'm an asshole parent sometimes yeah, because it's like, I'm counting the days down until like I can make a choice and you're not staying here. If this continues, yeah, if this is how it's going to be, you're going to keep stealing from me. Forget it. High school's done. Best of luck. You lose that compassion, right? Yes. Because it's, you're being traumatized, mm-hmm. the parent, right? Because, yep. and, and, you know, secondary trauma is part of it, but there's firsthand real trauma happening in yeah. the home to the parents. Mm-hmm. Some kids are homicidal, violent, um, yeah. verbal abuse, physical abuse, that manipulation, triangulation, it is like being gaslighted 24 hours a day. And how can you not then lose your mind and how can you stay resilient? There's definitely ways to cope because I I find with rad, there's who we were before rad. Then -hmm. there's who we are during rad, which is usually crisis mode, right? Yes. So, you know, none of the typical self-care things work, but there are things you can do in the moment just to help you get through it. And then there's kind of easing out of rad and when you can then start taking better care of yourself and then coming back to yourself yeah. when in it. Yeah. It's uh, it is war. It is. Yeah, it absolutely it's is. Compassion. And, and, and I think too, do you find that? I don't know. I, I think there's a breaking point for everybody where you keep it together. You're still trying to be that parent and whatever, and not give in to, you know, you say you're an asshole parent or are, 
I'm sure many of our listeners are out there <laughs> nodding their heads, including me, right? Because you break, you break. Yeah. But I think that that break needs to happen. Yeah. Because yeah. I honestly, it's a shift in mindset. Some of us get there without hitting rock bottom, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have to hit rock bottom to then let go. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say, um, when you let go of control, you actually gain more control. That's right. Yeah. But you know, you can't just get there, but when you nope. do, there's a sense of freedom in that. Look how honest you are, Barb and saying, look, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an asshole parent. Yeah. I've lost, you know, a lot of my compassion because I'm beaten down. This is what yeah. we go through. Right. And, and to be okay with that, mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And I'm so glad that you're being so yeah. honest and open about that. Well, and it's so for me, and I'll just use the example of school, you know, like as parents, we're, we're pretty firm on get your homework done and we'll have supper. Then you can do whatever. Right. Right. But because it comes back to control, homework never got done. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't been able to finish the last four grades on time. Uh, she still maintained those A's and B's because again, she's fantastic with adults. She can, you know, con a con man. Yeah. And so <laughs> she's been able to keep her grades up. But from, from my perspective, there was was that need to keep her moving, yes. um, not let people know what was going on. And at the beginning of, I want to say it was grade seven. So two years ago now, I started to let go a little bit and I can't remember what quite what it was that, yeah. that brought me back into the storm. Mm. Um, but I had, you know, kind of managed to let go. And I was like, nope, Like she's got to do this on her own. By then it had only been a couple of grades that she hadn't finished. Uh, So something pulled me back in, in grade seven, then we hit COVID. So now we're in grade nine and I have again said, no, I'm done. I need to see that it's submitted, but I'm not checking your assignments. I'm not, if you need help, it's an entirely different thing. You need help with an assignment. Let us know, but you're going to school, not us. You need to submit on time not us. Mm-hmm. And if you dig yourself in a hole, I'm not explaining it for you. Yeah. I'm not going to the teacher to say why you can make your excuses, which will start in January yeah. and tell the teacher why something's late and yeah. then why they never see anything. Because if the scholastic system isn't going to reduce a grade because the work was never submitted, why in the heck should I get worked up about it? Mm-hmm. Right. So. So yeah, there's little things like that, that you have to start to learn to let go of. Yeah. And you know, whether it's peer pressure that corrects it because she doesn't like to brush her teeth at night. She doesn't like to shower. Peer pressure will start to correct that. Yeah. Hopefully she can find a strong teacher somewhere along the way that will be strong enough to say, no, you didn't do this work and you're graded on your entire bucket of work, not just the work you submitted. Yeah. And if you don't have a support system, which a lot of us don't have at least the one that we need, right? Mm -hmm. You may have friends or family or people, but yeah, you cannot do it all. And I'm a big believer in bringing to the forefront of stop feeling guilty. You have permission to to be angry and to not want to do this and mm-hmm. to own up to, yeah, I'm not the person I want to be, or I am this type of person, or I'm sick of caring or whatever. And I yeah. know that that sounds harsh, but 
it is that shift in mindset and letting go because it is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I know we all want to be, you know, I, I talked with one trauma expert who said, you know, there's no point in being a martyr because the end result is you die. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You're killing yourself. You're literally killing yourself softly. Yep. And, and we all have excuses for it. And we're in that trauma. And of course, right. You, how can you mm-hmm. see out? And that's where doing little things help. But, you know, I just, I think it's so important to get real and to yes. hear other people say, you know what, who, who wouldn't look at anybody else in your family or your circle of friends who wouldn't go crazy from the, it is not sustainable to do and be and do all these things. That's right. And it's and okay. Be- because those friends and family don't see it, don't live it. Yeah. They might get a small glimpse of it somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. but you know, again, friends and family tend to believe that love will solve the problem. This isn't a love issue. We mm-hmm. love our daughter the exact same way we love our son. Yep. And, but, but you can love someone, but you don't necessarily have to like everything they do. Right. And when, when she has a need, and this is a really important distinction for me. So let's just say that she's sick or injured or an incident has occurred. Like absolutely mama bear kicks in the exact same way it does with our son. Yeah, we absolutely. For her 110%. Yes. What does she need? Do we need a yeah. doctor? Do we need to call the police? Like, what do we need to do? And it like, it's soul crushing for me because it's, it happens so seldom that my mama bear probably even goes over the top. Yeah. They don't get to be that very often. <laughs> right. So when I get to, I'm like, woohoo, full on game. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. We're on, we're in, put <laughs> exactly. me in coach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And then we've had incidents where we had to call the police and, mm-hmm. you know, in hindsight, I'm like, you know, I don't think we got the whole story, but you know, she got the attention. She got the stuff she yeah. needed. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think it's really, that's an important distinction. If, if she had cancer, we would have friends and family rallying around us because Mm -hmm. people understand cancer, right? She had ADHD. We would have teacher and teachers and family who would want to learn, put a plan in place for success, right? Again, Mm -hmm. we would have this support network, but because this can't be solved with a plan, a pill, and people don't understand RAD, there's that hesitancy. RAD has such sweeping behaviors. One child is violent. One child pees everywhere. One child lies. Like there is such sweeping differences from child to child. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, people often say, well, you can't blame her. We don't. We absolutely do not blame her. We do not look at her and go, this is your fault. You have rad. Yeah. Is she old enough to start to recognize some of her decisions and behaviors, regardless of where she, where they come from? Yes, she is. Yeah. She can stop herself from lying. She can stop herself, you know, from lots of right and wrong. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And in fact, she is so good at telling other people what's right, mm-hmm. but to turn that into behaviors herself, yeah. she's not able to do that yet. And that's where, you know, rad is just as much about the brain it as is. it is the heart yeah. because it's the brain that helps us make a decision, decide who we can trust. And it's not her fault that she doesn't 
fully trust more so mom than dad. Yeah. Right? And that's pretty common with adopted kids with rad. Yeah. It's harder to trust mom. And so, yeah, she kind of looks at women and, you know, we're the target of what can I get from you? Yeah. What can you give me that I want? Your mom, you know, you get in the way of me getting all of the things that I want. So get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, we joke around here lots because we need the stress relief, but that's a great way to do it. Whenever, like, let's just say we're doing laundry. Well, all mom's laundry will either stay in the baskets and not get um, washed or put away because it's mom. Right. And so, you know, my stuff just magically doesn't make it into, you know, any of the loads or get folded. (laughs) Uh, If it's, if it's my stuff, you know, let's say like in my bathroom, my makeup, my jewelry, whatever, it's my stuff that disappears. Yes. Right. And so, you know, it's those little picking away at behaviors that really wear you down. Yeah. And they happen right? all day long and oh. and they're not obvious, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I had a counselor ask us one time because I would say that, you know, it happens all day. And so she asked me to make a list, you know, how many times a day, cheating, mm-hmm. lying, you know, argument, mm-hmm. conflict, whatever, like it turned out to be hundreds, mm-hmm. right? Hundreds. And when I took in the little notebook and you know, her list. And she was like, well, how many days is this? And I was like, one, you only asked me to track for one. (laughs) And she didn't know what to say back to me. She was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I, we, we hardly have a conversation without something happening without there being a conflict somewhere. And that's where I think, you know, you gotta start to let go. Yeah. You have to. I love that exercise actually, because I don't love the part that it takes our mind to the negative, right? But if you just do it for a day, whatever it is, whether it's stealing, lying, whatever, I think because we get lost in it and it becomes normal, like, so that our sense of normal is distorted. I Mm -hmm. knew not, I had no idea what normal was anymore. I mean, really absurd behaviors or terrible behaviors to anyone else with typical children and typical families. Mm-hmm. To, mm, I don't know. Is that that bad? You know, <laughs> and I would yeah. check in with people and they would be like, uh, yeah, Tracy, that's terrible. That's not yeah. normal. And I'd be thinking, oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, the stuff that we have to deal with normal changes. And so just our sense of reality, you know, if you are gaslighted and picked at, like you say all day mm-hmm. long, yep. There's so much that you just, it's like getting tossed around in a salad bowl. You don't know which way is up anymore, where you are, what's happening, what's real, what's not. So I think that's actually a really good idea, mm-hmm. a grounding exercise to go, okay, this really is happening. Oh my gosh, yeah. look how much it's happening. No wonder mm-hmm. I feel this way. Exactly. And it's a great way to take it to a therapist and say, Hey, here's, here's what we're dealing with. And also a way to let go. And, um, because it's just not sustainable, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just not. And I know that we can make a million excuses and rightly so we're tired. How do you, you know, I always ask like, how how do you save yourself from drowning? I mean, it's, it's tough. 
awareness and recognizing that it's okay. You're not a bad person for saying these things and Mm -hmm. for not wanting this toxic is toxic. And we still, I love how you said that, you know, we still love these kids. We would do anything for them, Mm -hmm. but abuse is abuse. Trauma is trauma. And we're just then perpetuating it in ourselves. I always say the captain cannot go down with the ship. Mm-hmm. because what's the, what was the whole point of your life then? Right. Exactly. What did you do for yourself and your family? Yeah. Right? Well, and you know, my thing always is that rad behaviors don't define them, but they also don't always differentiating, differentiate them. So if you go to the doctor and you say, my kid's peeing on the floor, he's a kid, he's, you know, struggling with diapers. Right. No, he's 12. Well, he's acting out. Right. It's still a kid behavior. Yep. Lying is a kid behavior. Stealing, yep. you know, can be a kid behavior. They're still kids. Yeah. They're not aliens. They don't have a completely different set of behaviors. They're still a human being. Right. And we as parents, we're human beings as well. Mm-hmm. We can only take so much. My thing is always at what point do I choose? Yeah. Yeah. Is it time to choose to ensure that my son can recover and have a good life? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean then for our daughter? Yeah. I don't know where that line is. Mm-hmm. I know for many parents, just even me saying that oh, is absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can't choose one over the other. Yeah. So should two go down with a sinking ship instead of one then? And you're right. Uh, Do, do my husband and I go down with the ship first and just leave them, you know, to struggle? Because I'll be honest, my self-care for the last number of years has been zero. My stress Mm -hmm. has been through the roof. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it both physically, mentally. uh, I, I see it in every way possible. My husband is much more that duck approach to stress. It just rolls off his back. Mm. Um, but it's definitely taken a toll on our relationship over the years. And there's yeah. been plenty of times where, you know, we are hanging on by a thread, Yeah. but I think the thought of not hanging on was <laughs> even worse than, you know, getting yeah. through it. Yeah. And so, you know, we've been very fortunate and, you know, I credit him in many ways that he, because he has that duck approach and the stress Mm -hmm. just rolls, you know, he kind of goes, okay, whatever. Yep. She had a bad day and, and keeps going Yeah, because he's been able to build a little bit more of a relationship with her. uh, I always say to him, like, use that to our advantage, use that to start to help her understand but I'll be honest when they cross the line between, okay, I trust you a little bit more than I trust mom to that mentoring line where it's like, you know, sis, Mm -hmm. you really got to get homework done. She just tunes out. I was going to say, because then it's an assault of you're not on my side anymore. I've lost my control with you. So I'm going to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine balance and you are playing with that all the time, every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. It is a big trigger and everybody's different. And that's the thing too, is I think just like our kids are all different. We're at different places, Mm -hmm. but you know, just sharing and being real. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, I had a a friend tell me because, uh, you know, 
when I was in that crisis mode, it really took hearing people telling me or giving me permission and saying, Hey, you don't have to do this, right? You don't have to. I was talking to one parent who was in that spiral of talking really fast and panicking and saying, you know, I don't like the therapist. I like her for my daughter, but I don't like her for us. And, and then what if, and this and that, this huge spiral. And I just stopped her and I said, well, what if you stop seeing that therapist? And she thought, what? Well, <laughs> well, well, she's good for your daughter, but she's not good for you. We yeah. lose that power of, you don't have to answer calls from your child. If it stresses you out and you don't feel like it that night, mm -hmm. you yeah. don't have to, if you yeah. want a new therapist, fire your therapist. Yeah. We forget we have power in this too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it took a friend of mine to say, you know, Tracy, you don't, don't let the whole family go because of one person. You yeah. didn't create this. You and you alone are not capable of healing it. The supports aren't out there. And you've been searching for six or seven years. I mean, mm -hmm. they're not out there. And us as rad parents, you know, when you were talking about cancer and we rally around it, we do everything. So it's not about not loving enough and not doing enough because we're, and we're not doing it just to survive ourselves. We really are doing it to heal this poor kid that we do get it on a rational cognitive level. We know what's happened to you. We see this, mm -hmm. but over time we get beaten down. But I think in that being beaten down, we forget that, you know what? I don't have to take this. Yeah. Right. I can say, no, I don't have to do this. And so that friend pointing out saying, you know, it gave me perspective thinking you're right. Like, wow. Or this is splitting your family, your marriage or whatever. Really? Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to let that happen. And how are you responsible for all of this? You know, a child who came to you already this way in a mm -hmm. system that couldn't help and yeah. is still really finding their way in helping and and we, some people are very fortunate and have access to all the things, right? The yes. rad specialists or the institutes and the, mm -hmm. you know, but most of us aren't. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's just, I had to hear it. Yes. For, for me, I had to get, I'll say burnt out and not yeah. necessarily rock bottom, but I used to read the books, read the blogs, <laughs> read the stories, follow oh, the feedback. Yeah. Like I used to do it all. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like I have done my time. Yeah. I didn't even commit a crime, but I yeah. have done the time mm -hmm. and now I'm having a life again. Yeah. And you know, did it mean that, okay, we can't do childcare. So guess what? That means you, you know, can't hang around after school or, you know, can't be here, can't participate in that activity. And I'm like, right. Nothing I can do about it because I'm having a life again. Exactly. Right? And and that's super tough for people to wrap their head around uh, if they've never experienced it because yeah. there's lots of people that altruistically want to say, I will go to the ends of the yes. earth for my child. Yeah. Really? When your child is destroying your family, ruining your yeah. mental and physical health, um, possibly your career, like really, I know you think it's, you will keep going the flip side of that. You already are going to the ends of the earth and beyond, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You already are. And yeah. as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? 
Exactly. (laughs) Yep. But it's a hard mind space to get to because it is a total shift. And like you say, and like we talked about earlier, how I was saying you've, you either hit rock bottom or like you say, perfect burnout, right? You Mm -hmm. just finally hit that phase. Some people get there without doing that, but yeah, I think just knowing that if you get there, it's okay. And it's actually the best thing. It's that letting go. Yeah. Right. It's that's your freedom. The, the other thing I think that starts to give you some freedom is honesty. And Mm -hmm. so when someone asks you to do something, being able to say back, no, she can't come to the birthday party because of this. So she can't come to the birthday party because she tends to overeat. And then she throws up at home for three days right? or whatever it is. Yeah. Like here's why it doesn't work for us. Get real. Yeah. Right. Sleepovers. I remember sleepover invites. And I was just like, are you kidding me? My kid will be up wandering your house. Stuff will disappear. Right. Right. I'm like, I'm not doing it. That'll come back on us. Yeah. No way. No, 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 no. Exactly. You know, one of my favorite stories, we had a teacher, this was the grade five teacher who believed us, but just never quite anyway, wonderful, wonderful lady, but she believed us some stuff started to disappear from the classroom Hmm. and we had done that, you know, um, pre start of school conversation. Here's the kind of things you want to watch for. Sure enough. Yep. She watched some stuff had disappeared. We figured out where it all went. And it was just like, we were vindicated. Like we, you know, validated, right. It's not just us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, and, and even that, when you talk about needing to check in with other people to say, is this normal? Right. That's not a normal behavior. Right. It's not normal to need to, to feel validated and no. vindicated because of your kid's behavior. Yeah. But you do, because so many times you're like, you guys are a little bit crazy. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Right? And I love the being like, I would say, get real, but getting honest because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like if you work at a job and you end up, there's not enough people. So you just end up taking all the jobs. If you keep doing that, they're going to think that this is working and we don't need to hire a second person. Well, it's kind of the same thing as if we just hide it and deal with it and deal with it and deal with it, then nobody really does know. And it's hard to be honest and real. And I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to do that but you know, you can decide who you can and, and be real with and start there, but yeah. it's true because that's the only way that other people are going to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Right. And when they walk into a home, it's not going to be weird to see chimes and whatever, because they're going to know like, ah, yes. okay, this is, this is what's going on. Exactly. And it's, to me, it's, it's somewhat similar to spousal abuse. We keep spousal abuse, you know, yeah. so quiet. We don't want anybody to know. And that's what that's what has made it okay to keep it quiet. But as soon as we start to talk about it and you look at the number of movements over the last couple of years, black lives matter, things like that. It has brought issues that have been quietly swept under the rug for years to the forefront. And, and that's what needs to happen. We need people to start to feel confident that they can speak without, you know, fear of reprimand from Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, form or factor. And part of my decision in deciding to talk with you and come on the podcast, especially being in Canada, we've already lost so many family and friends that there's 
not really much more we can lose. Yeah, what have you got to lose? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's hitting that point, like screw it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I used to always wish like looking back hindsight, oh, right. It's hindsight's 2020. I know, but I look back and I think, ah, even with our daughter, why, you know, and I am a very honest, like, let's just put this on the table, deal with it. But we danced around her trauma because I had this thought that I was just going to re-traumatize her or continue the trauma. But so kid gloves, gentle, ooh, ooh. And, you know, I look back now and I think, oh, how many times I wish I would have just said, here's what you did. Here's what it is. Mm -hmm. Let's move on, you know, so that it helped her too. instead of trying to therapy is great. All of these things are great, but you know, it kind of leads you to these dancing around the issues and trying to do it in a therapeutic way. And again, I'm not knocking therapy, live by it, but, um, when you have the right therapist, but at the same time, you can't lose. I just, we, even in our own home kind of danced around it with our daughter and I kicked myself for it. I don't know what it would have done. Right. It's always easy. And I don't really worry about it now, but I do wonder like, Oh, you know, why did because that was a sense of holding in as well for mm-hmm. myself and a cause of stress. And yeah. Yeah. You know, we all have those what if moments mm. and my what if moment was when we were going through the adoption process, uh, we had the opportunity to say, did we prefer to be matched with a male or a female, um, physical disability, deformity, yeah. you know, like, so we, we, you kind of get to order when you adopt, which sounds terrible, but yeah. anyway, um, because we had experienced uh, loss already, it was just sort of, nope, we're open to any child. Mm-hmm. And in my heart and in my gut, I was like, you know what? I want a boy. I'm not a girl mom. Right. I don't care about my hair. I don't yeah. care about my makeup, <laughs> my nails. I don't yeah. care about that stuff. I like sports. I like rough and tumble. I like, you know, going to games, watching games, throwing balls. Sure. Like I'm a boy mom. And in hindsight, not that in hindsight, you know, what if I had checked that box and we could be dealing with something completely different, Yeah. but I often find myself thinking if there was something I would do different, that would have been, it was check that little box because if nothing else, Mm -hmm. the likelihood that there would have been more common ground Mm -hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. Ah, um, right. Exactly. But you, you I, can't get caught up in that. You can't. Um, because- I have a, what if moment of what if, because we had a, a caregiver who, and I used to dance around this, but she, she lied to us and told us that, you know, our daughter had zero. Oh, here's how naive I was. And I've talked about this before too, but our daughter was nine. And she had lived at home till she was seven and she was in a foster family for two years. And so they had told us for those two years, she had zero contact with her biological mother, you know, no contact. Oh, she doesn't even remember her, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, Mm -hmm. stupid me. If you had seven years with someone, come on. Right. And then, but I did believe, well, maybe these two years, you know, you go in so blind and you want your family and, you know, and so she got home and long story short, she had only stopped doing home, not home visits, but supervised, supervised visits at CYFD child youth and families department. They'd only stopped that six months before 
coming to us. So the first night our daughter is wailing, I miss my mom. Long story short, we figure out that, oh my gosh, right? But in that moment, I struggled with, well, I, this was one of the things I said, I can't cope with, but how do you send kids back? Right. Like you talk about, it's like ordering and then how that ethical dilemma Mm -hmm. and so toughed it out. But what if, what if I had the guts and felt again, it's all my power, right. Mm -hmm. Even in that whole process of adoption, I, I didn't give myself, um, and I'm sure a lot of people do. So I'm not saying everybody's like this, but if you're like me, I felt powerless because a, I was so ready and excited to start my family and mm-hmm. ready to start the family. And I trusted these people just so naive. And then I felt like it was me. Oh, I'm doing this terrible thing, yeah. but negating the fact that they lied. I didn't want to believe that. And I didn't want to be judged for, you know, sending kids back, but I lost my power in that. So I think, gosh, what if I would have just been stronger and more informed and powerful and said, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't going to be good for these kids. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be good for my family. Right. But that, that what if, and it's funny, you talk about where we're talking about the what ifs, because I just heard Mel Robbins. She was saying, um, talking about the, what if loop, her daughter talked about, you know, we get in this, like, what if it doesn't work out? What if this happens today? what if, what if, what if, right? Mm -hmm. And so she said that it's hard, but it's simple. The flip is what if today's a better day? What if I do something for myself today? What if something goes well today? Or what if I can Mm -hmm. find it? So changing it to that positive. So you see how simple it is, but how hard, right? But it's a good, a good thing to know about, I think, and have in your mind that when I'm in that, what if, what if I just try, try doing this for a moment Mm -hmm. or a second, that that kind of check in. And I know I've started to change some of my behaviors because as I said, we've, we've almost shut ourselves in for the last number of years. Sure. And like, I'm just kind of done with that. And so I'm starting to go back to some of the things that I enjoyed and my husband can't be here to parent then she has to come with me. And yeah. so for example, last night she had to sit in the cold, hard bleachers and watch me swim laps. Do you know how boring that is? Yes, I how do. How many hours we spent doing that with swimming lessons? Mm-hmm. And guess what? You know, we we don't trust you at home. This is one of those consequences that you're yeah. right. When you lost the trust, you couldn't have even comprehended this. Right. But this is why. So you choose takes yeah. a long time to build trust. You want to build trust. You got to start doing some things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, she watched me swim laps for an hour. Way to <laughs> and go. I mean, I know exactly 1800 meters later and we're done and you know, it's all good. And then I said to her last night, Oh, so was that fun? <laughs> no. I'm like, Oh, well, we're going again Saturday morning, by the way. Ecstatic <laughs> because right? her dad's gone right now. I just howled. I'm like, yeah, this is beautiful. Like there's, and I can see it in you too, how good it feels like just getting out, finding you again and just letting go again of, I'm not going to try and make a point of this. Like you either get it or you don't kid, but Mm -hmm. let's move on and do something. Yeah. I'm going swimming way to go. 
Uh, you know what? I love that. It's finding you again because you yeah. lose yourself in all 100%. of this. It becomes about everyone else. Yes. And it's never about mom or it's so seldom about yeah. mom. And yeah. it's not that it needs to be about me, but you know what? I need time to just yeah. go to the bathroom with the door yeah. closed, but I can't because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen outside the door. Right. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Or you do go out and you come back and it's chaos for three days, but you mm-hmm. do get to a point where, okay, expect the chaos. Yeah. Okay. Right. You can't manage everything, but yeah. And that's one of the reasons that we went to the cameras because it's like, Hey, you know what? Like I'm going yeah. and I'll look at the camera afterwards because it's, you know, good camera, high resolution. Like you can actually tell what went on. Guess what? You know, your story's way too thin. You're yeah. burned. Yeah. So that has actually made a huge difference right. for us because they're everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. and just, yeah, I think that's great. I think mm-hmm. that's great. And I'm so glad you're at a place to be able to do that. I mean, it sucks that we have to hit burnout or rock bottom yeah. or just, yeah, get worn down so much to get there, but Hey, whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we say like, oh, it doesn't have to be all about you. It does. You know what? We have just as much right here as rad moms, or if you're the target parent, that's a dad, whatever you are as that nurturing enemy or whoever you are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, yeah, it does need to be about you because it's not, and it hasn't been for however long. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta step back into that and however you get there, whenever you get there, I just hope you do. One of the things that, you know, if I, I often talk to people that are talking about adopting and, you know, I try and give them both sides of it, but I always say, don't hide behind closed doors. Yeah. Tell your story. Don't be afraid. Find people who get it because it's hard and it's hard in different ways than, um, birthing and having a biological child. So, you know, find someone to talk to. And you're not going to find that in the system up here in Canada. You're going to find that through a parent network. You're going to find that by Googling the crap out of everything you can think. And that's how you're going to find the support. But it's the number one thing that you need is just a place, if nothing else to vent, Yeah, you know, had the worst week ever had the best week ever, whatever it is, but you need a place to support yourself because that's been the biggest stressor for us is there's no support. There's right. none. Yeah. And to be real and let out the things that happen home to other people who get it right. Mm-hmm. Because yep. yeah, exactly. It, it is so different. And, um, we do tend to hide because it is, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's weird. We know it is. And mm-hmm. it's, it's our life and it's real and it's happening. And so, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you're here sharing your story. I love that we started backwards. Thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah. We never did actually start about the time at the start, but that's okay. We got to the good stuff. We got to the good stuff. Yeah. 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 Is there anything else you feel uh, burning in you to say? I think, you know, we've covered a lot. No, I don't think so. You know, I really appreciate this chance to tell the story um, and, and to share and hopefully, you know, if nothing else, hopefully it connects for someone and they reach out for help. They yeah. reach out to you. They reach out wherever, because yeah, yeah that's, yeah. this is parenting on steroids <laughs> and yeah. it takes an entirely different level and commitment to parenting than 
anything else that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story and for being so open and honest. It's been so great to have you here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.